Life's Inside Track with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. They'll share life experiences, tips, techniques, thoughts, and tools to help you create life exponential. Life's Inside Track with Ken and Yetta Decker. Moving forward with the Decker Team. Moving forward together with the Decker Team. Is protecting wealth the most important element when I'm growing wealth? Welcome to another Life's Inside Track episode with Yetta Decker and Ted Decker. And we're excited to welcome you back because we get to share techniques, thoughts, and tools, and even some tips that we all need, we all deserve, you, I, everyone, to turn our house into home where our families thrive and we live the best life possible. Well, I would say from experience. Yes. Yes. that. Protecting wealth is very important if you want to accumulate wealth. Now, there's different reasons for accumulating wealth, and you know, it's it's one of those touchy subjects, especially in the uh, faith realm, because you know, where's our faith? Where's our reliance on God? And if we focus too much on money, then we love money instead of God, and so it's it's an interesting topic for sure. It is. And so in this episode, we're going to learn why growing wealth safely is important. How and why. Yeah. And even, yeah, how, why, and even a bit of the what. And recently I've had quite a number of people looking to purchase or sell investment properties. Now, investment properties that have one unit. It's not too bad if you don't protect your rental income. In other words, if you own a townhouse or a single family home and you go to sell that, if it's got low rent, it's okay because the new people coming in will be buying it typically as a residence for themselves, not as an investment. And so the market value will be determined by Substitution, a law of substitution. What can I buy in a similar price range? Right. So we're having an investment property conversation and you go, but a townhouse or a single family, how's that an investment? Isn't that a duplex or a triplex or a quad or an 18plex? Well, yes and yes. So the seemingly insignificant distinction on rent increases, which is kind of the angle we're going to be chatting a fair bit about today, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Is when we don't do our rent increases, what's the implication? It's a pretty, I mean, we only get what on either side a 2% allowable rent increase per year. It's not even yes. like... Matter of fact, this year it was zero. Right. So this year, this conversation doesn't apply, but a great setup for next year because i'm sure we're going to see that we're allowed to increase our rent so what ken's saying is in a single family home or a townhouse or a semi where but what what he's really saying is it's one unit it's not a duplex up down or it's not a side by side it's not any style of multifamily. right it's single family residence so when you don't increase your rents not a huge deal I mean, sure, you're losing some income, but that may feel good to you. Like, it may not be a problem. You got 2% this year, 2% next year, 2% the following year. You know what I hear all the time is, 
I love my tenant. They're a great tenant. I don't want to raise the rent and maybe lose them. It's okay for me to take a little less money because the tenant is great. And we've done that with our tenant mm-hmm. in our principal residence. So when you're looking at that, what Ken's saying is it doesn't really, yeah, sure, you're leaving some money on the table, but that may be fine for you. So leaving money on the table sometimes is a good choice. So in this case, what he's saying is when you go to sell it, it doesn't adversely affect the market value. Unless you're in a multi-unit. Right. So if it's a single rental unit, a single dwelling, even if it's a a duplex, sorry, a semi or a town, it's still one door. So Mm -hmm. most of the time it's going to be resold to somebody that's going to be living in it. So the rental income doesn't matter. It doesn't become part of the equation. Unfortunately for the tenant, and that's happening a lot right now, is Mm -hmm. the values have gone up so high that Mm -hmm. some landlords are taking advantage of that and selling their single units. And then the tenants need to leave because the new owner wants to live in it. Right. Um, The other thing is some some landlords are taking advantage of the higher uh, multi-unit prices as well. But I ran some numbers. This was fascinating because I haven't run the numbers on what it actually means to not increase your rent for 20 years. Because most people that buy investment properties hold for 10, 20 years till it's paid for. It's part of the retirement right. uh, package. And it's whatever. what we were saying. Is it important to do it safely? Well, doing it safely is actually a buy and hold conversation. Yes. Right? When you buy and hold, not forever buy and hold for a long period of time, that's a very safe, steady, slow wins the race kind of mentality. Yeah. So I I just did a typical kind of building, a three unit, a triplex. And I I said, okay, well, let's say the rents today are $1,400 a month. And then there's three units. And when you multiply it out times 12, it equals just over $50,000. And the net- A year. A year. And the net on that would be roughly 35000 after I pay my taxes, my insurance, and upkeep and stuff like that. But if not the you mortgage. didn't have a mortgage. Not the mortgage. Right. I'm just saying the net profit prior to paying the mortgage payment would be about 35000 Now, if I don't in, now, if I, if I evaluate that property right now at a 5% cap, the value of the property is just over 500000 Five, uh, sorry, did I get that right? I think that's what you said, 504. Yeah, right. So 504. Now, if I don't increase the rents, what happens to the expenses? Well, the expenses continue to increase. So now we're not doing it so safely anymore. We're not keeping our wealth safe. We're actually, by seemingly insignificant, not increasing the rent because the expenses are increasing just little by little. We're decreasing our wealth. Right. Okay, so I got a little ahead of me. The value on a $35,000 income at a 5% cap is 700000 Okay. That's what that property would sell for today at a 5% cap rate. Right. Now, if the, inter- if the expenses are going up 2%, but the rent's not, so what it's doing is it's eroding my profit. So the profit's going down. So now suddenly I'm at $24,000 in profit a year. And when Instead I do the, of 35. Instead of 35. And when I do the cap rate 
of 5%, let's say cap rates didn't change, it's still 5%, then now the value is 504. So I've actually lost almost $200,000 in value in the property just by not increasing the rent by the allowable, let's say it averages 2%. Now let's look at what would happen if I did increase the whole rent 2% every year that was allowed over the 20 years. Suddenly my income now, my net profit is $51,000. That sounds okay, happy. A year, yeah. And then you still have to take your mortgage payments off of that. Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. a... Yeah. So the wealth conversation when you're building investment property, if this is starting to sound just even a smidge confusing because you're not watching a chart, you're just hearing the numbers. This is the kind of time where you actually want to read the wealth formula because some of the basics are in there and where you want to be invited. You being invited right now to have a one-on-one consultation around investing Mm -hmm. because this is solid sound information. I want to get to the crunch. Okay. Get to the crunch. Here's the crunch. So at 51,000 net income mm-hmm. at a 5% cap rate, that property is now worth $1 million on the, what? so, okay. So by not increasing the rent to increasing the rent, we've lost $500,000. And by increasing the rent, you also have positive cash flow. It means you can add a little bit more money to the mortgage payment each year. And that will get you mortgage-free after the 20 years. So $500,000 for a seemingly insignificant 2% increase. How can I, how can you safeguard the value of my property, whether it's an investment property or our principal residence? So we've created for you access to over 503 Life's Inside Track episodes where we share insider tips, trader news, the how-tos, the why-tos, and even relational wisdom and wealth wisdom. And you can get access to them from your home, office, or on the go. There are actually several ways, Yetta, that we can safeguard our investments in real estate, and some may even surprise you. They might not. And what you're going (laughs) to learn on this episode is probably three core ways. Three core ways that we, as humans that own real estate property, can safeguard our investment. Mm, That's important. Well, it is because why have it if it's going to erode? On the earlier episode, we talked about losing income potential by not increasing our rent. This time, we're going to talk more about the actual property. The physicality of the property. The physicality, the physicalness, (laughs) it is, the physicalness (laughs) of the property. So number one, what is the number one way that you can protect the value and even actually the income of your property if it's an investment property? Because it does both. These three physical things actually not only help the the overall value if you're ever going to go to sell it or want to appraise it or want to appraise it to take some money out for accessing your equity for additional investment properties. That's true. This one is hugely important and it doesn't really protect the property. It protects your investment in the property. 
and it mitigates risk. And the risk is damage to your property through um, storms, through flooding, through fire. Well, they could um, still happen. Well, yeah, that's why it mitigates the financial risk. It doesn't protect the physical body of the building. Right. So that answer is a word, one word that none of us actually like this word. I don't think, unless you're an insurance, insurance broker. Insurance <laughs> Yeah, unless you're an insurance broker. Because who wants to pay for something that you might want to use and you only want to use it? You'll only want to use it if something really bad happens. Yeah, but when something really bad happens and you don't have it, you're a very sad person. Yeah. And what I love what you were saying earlier about the investment property protecting the income. Because when you buy insurance for an investment property, you, will, you would like to make sure that you cover the valuation to rebuild that property, but also the lost income while it's unrentable. Because let's say you buy a, you know, a $500 million property and your payment on it is several thousand dollars a month, but the tenant's paying it. Well, if you have a catastrophic loss, either total loss or, or a major event where the tenant can't stay in it anymore, they're not going to keep paying you rent, but you still make, you need to make your mortgage payment. And so if you've got the right insurance, it covers the repair of the building as well as the lost revenue so that you can continue to pay your mortgage. So insurance, the conversation of insurance isn't that should you or shouldn't you have it on real estate. If it has a mortgage on it, you have to have it. So that's a really easy yes. Have insurance mm. on your real estate. Yeah. Well, the, go ahead. The ex the exciting part or the great part or the part that can often get missed, the seemingly unimportant detail is what kind of insurance do you have for the property? What does it cover? What does the word replacement cost actually mean? What events are covered? If you have not a clause in your insurance policy says water escape or some mm -hmm. form of that term. And you're not protected for that. You're not protected. And so just because you have insurance, all insurance is not created equal. Like all realtors aren't created equal. All lawyers aren't mm -hmm. created equal. All mortgage specialists aren't created equal. Yeah. So what you're saying is don't just shop price. Mm -hmm. You got to compare don't. what you're buying. And the other thing with insurance is, and this is something that is creeping up on people. Maybe you've owned your home for 10 years and your, you know, your insurance, your replacement costs was 500,000. But now with materials gone up 200, 300%, labor costs up much higher and harder to get people to contractors. Good people. Yeah. Maybe the value to rebuild your house isn't 500,000 now. Maybe it's, 800,000. Mm -hmm. And if you're underinsured, you might go, well, well that's good. I got a lower premium. Right. But the difficulty mm -hmm. is even if you don't have a total loss, if you have a total loss, then you're only going to get the 500 instead of the 800 to, to build it. But let's say there's a $100,000 damage. Okay. You go, well, that's fine. I've got 500,000 of insurance. No, they'll say you're underinsured. 
and they'll only pay you the percentage of the 100000 that you are insured of, of the total, total value, value of the property. So there's so much more to insurance than meets the eye. We fortunately have made some good choices insurance. Sometimes in the early days, it was by accident. It was just by good favor. And yet I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't pulled out your homeowner's insurance policy or your investment properties insurance policy and scrutinized it in a while, Today would be a really good day. Like this is an actionable life step that seems pretty insignificant and yet has a potentially catastrophic gain or a catastrophic loss. Can you use the word catastrophic for gain? No. Huge. I don't think so. Okay. Significant. <laughs> how about mammoth or okay. massive? Okay. How about we move on to number two? Because sure. we're going to give our listeners three items and, <laughs> and we're down to a couple time. minutes all right so what we're going to do these two can almost be done together because one word covers both and then it's broken into a and b yeah so, so interior maintenance and exterior maintenance right things like caulking oh, will prevent okay. rotting caulking on the outside of a building is probably the number one Maybe number two. Number, two. number one. Number is one is grading. Grading, <laughs> grading, grading. Yep. Your grading. house is not a boat. Make the grading <laughs> so that the water flows away. Fix your eaves trough downspouts. If you don't have eaves troughs, buy them, put them on. Get that water because every house yep. is possible to take in water and water is catastrophic in its impact. Yep. And overgrown vegetation mm. can devalue the value of your property even it can it, do damage to your yep. your house roots yep, yep. roots, roots icky can, roots the, the and septic can wreck your and wreck your septic if you have mm -hmm. septic so okay. exterior maintenance and then interior maintenance and we could use the word caulking so the there thing. again caulking around <laughs> tubs showers things routing because Moisture getting behind mm. there will cause rot. It will cause mold. Mold. Damp basements drop the value of the property. Toilet seals around the toilet right. can cause rot and water. So and the, the, the moral of the story here is safeguarding the value in your property mm. is really maintaining it well because an ounce of prevention mm. is worth a pound of repair. Is there such a thing as fail-safe investing? Probably one of the biggest argumentative questions I get asked, because when somebody asks me that question, they know they already have the answer to it. So we're excited that for over 30 years, we've been able to come alongside you and share insights on real estate investing, wealth building, even how to make the most out of your home and your life. And so is there, Ken? Maybe, 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 maybe. With some intentional shifts because I know that I've done a lot of investing and we've won some and we've lost a lot. We've won more than we've lost. Yes. Otherwise, why would you invest? That's not really considered investing then, is it? Well, some people keep investing and keep losing. And the mm. thing is, how can we do fail-safe investing? Fail-safe. That. That's an interesting, it's not safeguarding what you've got. It's saying it's, it's failure safe. So what we're going to learn in this episode is we think we're going to be able to cover five fail-safe methods or techniques or 
tactics. I'm yeah. going to call them tactics. We're going to shoot for that. Maybe we get four in. But. Yeah. Well, you know how to reach out to us anytime we don't cover everything we think we're going to cover. Mm-hmm. So the first one is mental. Yeah, mental, mental capacity. Because if you don't have the belief in it, here's the tip. Don't do it. Or, no, if you can't believe in a thing, don't do it because you're going to drive yourself crazy. And that's, it's not worth it. If you're out of harmony, out of alignment with yourself, out of your belief system, doing a thing you can't really believe in, it's going to cause you too much mental anguish. Yeah. So, the, you know, risking too much, going too leveraged, where you can't sleep or your spouse can't sleep, one and or the sense, other affecting or your relationship—that's too far mentally. But you know what else I was talking about mentally? When I talked about mentally, I'm talking about the philosophy, like the yeah. the background of: Am I putting money in a savings account? Or an investment account. Because when I had a savings account, that was really my spending account. That I would save money to buy a big screen TV. I would save money to buy a new car or an upgrade in a car. I would save money to buy a couch. So my savings account was really a, a spending, spending account. account. Have you ever done that? Like in the past, our savings account was actually a spending account. So we have a tendency to name a thing a thing and then do something entirely different with it and not even notice we went off the rails. Right. So what would so happen? Like 30 years ago, we decided to create an investment right. account. Right. So what would happen if you created an investment account? Well, so what did happen when we created well, an investment account? We started account? building wealth like crazy because what would happen is- Instead you, of going crazy. You'd be putting money in your investment account and it wasn't really making any money. It was just building up in there, like so maybe making a percent interest or something, or maybe it was sitting in a TFSA. And it was there to accumulate so that we could make a major investment with it. Right. And when you shift your language to align with the mental truth that you know that makes sense, you actually shift your actions. Right. And so when you know that a couch is not an investment, a car is not an investment. And when you tell me every so often that some cars are. Well, if you're, yeah, if you're a collector, more a collecting yeah. antiques and stuff. But yeah. that's, even them, sometimes they're not making money, really. Right. Yeah. So number two is automate. Automate, automatic consistently put money in at the same rate all the time helps accumulate and fail safe, create safety around your investment strategy. Absolutely. And remove volatility. Automation, like automating, reduces the volatility, reduces the risk. Well, and it takes away the... uh the requirement for the decision and we get the decision fatigue and we get resistance fatigue. We can't resist the nice thing or the whatever, but when we don't have, yes, but when we Uh don't have the money, when we don't have the money, honey, because it's already been taken off my paycheck before it even comes, it goes into the investment account, whether that's into mutual funds or savings account or wherever it goes, it's gone. I never see it. I'm not tempted to spend it. 
And I don't have to have that strength not to spend it. Right. Because you take care of the decision once and then the decision takes care of you. Mm -hmm. If you didn't write that one down, that's worth writing down. Make the decision once because then the decision takes care of you. Exactly. Another one would be preserve. Preserve your investments by investing in things that are safe or understood. Like there will be some investments that go south. There'll be some with problems and make sure that you understand what you're investing in. Right. If you don't understand it, get the education, get the knowledge, get the understanding or back away. I can promise you in the past, we invested in way too many things that we didn't or I didn't understand. And so I took somebody else's word for it. And, and you know what else happened Everyone there? that's gone south, I that was the case. I understood the financial mm-hmm. understanding of the investment, but then I didn't do the research of the land, the, 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 the people, the, the structure of how long it would take for that to actually happen. Was it viable? I didn't do that research. I understood the financials behind it, and we lost a ton of money because I didn't do the extra research, and we would never have invested in that. So understand, understand, understand. Mm -hmm. And then our next one is diversity. Yeah. And some people think diversity Mm -hmm. is small cap, big cap, um, you know, Canadian fund, U.S. fund, all that kind of stuff. But if it's all in the stock market, mutual funds are all in the stock market. Uh, Stocks are all in the stock market. No, it's all all your eggs are in one basket, Mm -hmm. different baskets, but they're different eggs, but they're all in the same basket. Some are green, some are pink, some are yellow. So that's partially diversification. Another is, okay, so now you've got some money in the stock market, in mutual funds or whatever. You have some money maybe in some mortgages or loans out to other people, secured loans against property. Uh, Maybe you own some real estate portfolio, right? Some Mm -hmm. properties in your real estate portfolio. So now you're diversified. You're in in property, you're in mortgages, you're in um, the stock market. That's diversification, right? Truly diversified. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other piece is early. Do it early. Do it early. And if you didn't do it early, so like early is start now. Like if you didn't do it early, start now. We just helped a phenomenal client buy their first property ever. And it's an investment property at 64. 64 years old, bought her first investment property and And is going to live in one of them. Right. So now it's fantastic. Like it's an incredible move. So that's another way to safeguard or make it fail safe. And if you're listening to this and you're young or you're listening to this and you have children. uh, Or you're listening to this and you're not young. The time to start investing automatically is when you get your first job. And I know the expenses are higher, especially if you just got married or you're just having children. Those are the highest expense times. But that's when time is on your side. Invest early, get it automatic, live on the rest, and time will look after you. We're excited and thrilled to be your advocates on the journey of life and real estate wisdom and wealth. Moving forward with the Decker team. Moving forward together with the Decker team.